In today's Revival podcast, we're looking at the place that prophecy and encounter vision play in what God does. And I'm thrilled to be joined by Rick Call, who's part of our All Nations Movement senior team, and explore some of the encounters that God has given to him. Welcome to the Revival Podcast. I'm so excited that you're joining me today. And I'm delighted to be able to welcome back uh, Rick Call. I introduced him before, but let me introduce him again. I've known Rick since we were little kids. Uh, we've pretty much grown up together. Families were friends. Uh, early ministry in our teenage years was done together. He ended up marrying my sister. And so we're pretty close. He's been involved uh, with me in leadership here at All Nations for many years. Helped plant one of our campuses is also involved in our transition into home churches. And so uh, absolutely uh, love you, Rick. Uh, so excited you're here uh, with me today. Oh, thank you, Steve. It is an honor, privilege to be serving you, standing with you, coming alongside you in a time that I feel is the most exciting. Yeah. I am so excited to see what the Lord is doing. He is speaking ever so clearly. Um, and so, yeah, to be doing this journey with you, thank you. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Um, and yeah, just ready to see revival break out in the United Amen. Kingdom and Europe. Amen. So th- there's a reason other than that I like this guy of why we're doing a conversation today. Um, three years ago, Rick had a series of encounters. It all began with the Lord Jesus. This is going to sound crazy. Walking into his room. In the early hours of one morning, a bright light, the Lord walked in and told him to go into a 40-day fast. Now, I won't go through the whole story there, um, but during that 40 days of fasting, there was a series of encounters that Rick had. There were very, there was a lot of them. Since then, there's been another uh, sprinkling of them happening every few weeks or every few months. Um, I will say this so that it's clear to our listeners uh, and those who are watching. The Bible has the highest authority in setting our theology, in what we believe about God, in what we believe about what God is doing. Um, So any dream, vision, encounter, it could be an angelic visitation, um, does not hold the same weight or the same authority as the canon of Scripture. And yet we are also convinced that God does speak to us through dreams, through encounters or visions. We use the word encounter because sometimes we don't know what it was. Uh, not, I, I'm using the language we, but I've not had them, um, which was one of my concerns. Like, why does he get to have this and I don't? But the Lord does what the Lord wants to do. And for me, the most unlikely person, and yet God meets with him in a, in a crazy way, I think they help supplement and complement what we already believe. They do not set our destiny, do not set our theology and what we believe about God. Uh, And yet we believe that God is increasingly uh, visiting people. There are so many stories in so many parts of the world of Jesus appearing to people and they're putting their faith in him, in, in, in camps, refugee camps, in homes where people are earnestly seeking God, but they're from another faith, and Jesus comes in and they have revelation. So I believe in that. We believe in all of those ways that the Holy Spirit wants to work today. And so with all of that said, 
Um, we're going to look at one encounter that pertains to revival and uh, what Rick went through there. I would also say we waited three years before we going public with this because we didn't know what to do with it. Uh, we had no grid for this, but uh, we're beginning to share it on this podcast. Uh, there'll be other mediums it will come through. There's a, a, a book being uh, written, uh, which is all about these as well and what it means for us as the body of Christ today. So do keep your ears open to that. We'll let you know through our social media channels as to how we move forward with that. But Rick, uh, the encounter we're talking about, I'm going to let you go straight into that, share it. Sure. Then we'll have a bit of a conversation around it. Yeah, no problem. So it's, um, I'm in a garden. It's an old garden, beautiful um looking and uh, you're in that encounter which just seems a bit crazy yeah. but you're there so i don't i wasn't there like i know what happened i only know from what rick yeah so you're you're there i see jesus in the corner just standing not saying anything and you are picking up old keys from the floor from the ground and I come over to you, I'm asking you, what are you doing? And you said, I'm looking for keys for revival. And you're picking up these old keys, almost taking the old, learning from the old and putting them into your pocket. And then I go over to Jesus and I say, Jesus, is what Steve is doing correct? And he said, no. That's a bit of a challenge. <laughs> And so then I come back to you and say, Steve, stop, stop what you're doing. It's not right in the eyes of the Lord. And so you, with a confused look, walk together with me to Jesus. And I'll just pause there for a moment, Rick, and just say that's so descriptive of my life. From a child, I have been fascinated with church history. You know that. Others yeah. may know that studied missionary movements, uh, studied characters that God's used in history, moves of God, revivals, and uh, really uh, been drawn into that. I think the Lord put the desire there to know what he's done in the past, um, but maybe in some of that, looking for how we could see it replicated by looking at the old. So it is a, it's a very correct description of how my life has been since I've been about eight years old, uh, reading about so many different people, a George Muller, a Smith Wigglesworth, and Evan Roberts, and the Indonesian revival, Welsh revival, the awakenings. I've read through the journals of John Wesley and George Whitfield and William and Catherine Booth, and it's all been stirring. And I, I actually don't think there's anything wrong in reading history, but maybe the rebuke is in looking for God to do it in the same way that he did it before again and saying, that's how he did it. If we do that, we can have it and I'll find these keys and I'll make something happen. So at the moment we stand before Jesus, he looks at you square in the eyes and says, he's a revivalist. And like Steve just described his story there, I'll just pause for a moment from the encounter. I have known Steve's heartbeat to be a revivalist for Jesus. And so Jesus looks at you and says, he's a revivalist, and then puts his hand in his pocket and draws out a ring. And you're gonna have eyes to see this um, creatively. They're old, big, large keys, old in appearance, old in the way that they've been manufactured, in the way that they look, 
but new in its condition. These keys had never been used before. They were new but old. And Jesus said to Steve, and you put your hand out, and these are the keys for revival. At that, I'm elevated and I look across the United Kingdom. And the United Kingdom is shaped in a dead person's body. It was the like way you're viewing it the, in your the vision, way that I'm yeah. viewing it in the vision. It's gray in color. It's like a man lying on its side, but dead, not moving. And I turned to Jesus because Jesus is with me. And I said, Jesus, what is this? What is it that I'm seeing? He's saying that, he said to me that uh, the United Kingdom right now is dead because the vital organs aren't functioning correctly. I didn't know this, but I've learned it now, that you need five key organs in your body to function. And we're not doctors. We're not not, doctors, no, no, definitely not doctors. And it was like God saying, Jesus saying, it's time to revive the fivefold ministry, not to no longer work separately, but to work united together for the body to be everything that it's called to be. Wow, wow. I mean, that means a huge amount to me. And three years ago, it meant something. But in the last three years, it's become far more alive. It's interesting that the keys aren't just, I know prayer is a key. I understand that consecration and holiness, a longing for God, an awakening of appetite. All of that plays into a turning away from sin, a turning towards God. But I'm absolutely convinced uh, a significant part of the new way that God's operating is a restoration of the old, which is the fivefold ministry, a restoration of apostles and prophets, um, evangelists and teachers uh, and pastors, and seeing those working together. And perhaps since the days of the early church in the book of Acts, we may not have seen those working functionally together. I'm not saying they haven't anywhere in the world, but it's like isolated ministries by themselves. So my interpretation of that, and this is huge for me, even in the last two weeks, and what God's been saying to me, is that there is a revival coming. There's going to be a harvest that results because of the revival. But in in preparation, there's a reformation beginning in the church. It's already started. Things will never be the same again. Uh, ministries will never be the same. Some are clamoring to go back to the way it was. It won't be. Some are, are wanting to do um, just adaptations. We'll just adapt a few things. We'll do a few things online. We'll change, mix things up. We'll use social media. Whatever it is, an adaptation won't work. It's actually a reforming of the church, a reformation. Yeah. And I'm not originating this. Uh, Bob Mumford in the 1990s said a lot about it. Uh, Dr. Phyllis Tickle spoke about it in the early 2000s. About every 500 years, there's a reformation. It happens in the secular world and it happens in the church. You can track it right back. I think she, Dr. Phyllis Tickle, tracks it right back to about three and a half thousand years and proves through history how this significant reforming of society and it impacts 
uh, the spirituality of the kingdom of God, and when the church was born, the church itself. I believe we are in such a moment again. I'm not original in saying that. I've told you already people who are saying that. Uh, but I, I, I felt the Lord stirring my heart that there's going to have to be a restoring of the apostle, which will lead to a restoration of the fivefold. So the apostolic and the prophetic then we'll see the fivefold, which is mentioned in Ephesians 4, the fivefold ministry gifts working together. As they work together, there'll be a restoration, a reformation and a restoration of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I think, I know there's been conversations for 40 years about prophets and maybe 30 years about apostles. But I, I heard somebody say recently to me, prophets have spoken about apostles Bible teachers have spoken about apostles, but there's been very few apostles speaking about what apostles are, if any. And normally when something's been missing in the church and then the Lord restores it, it swings out of balance. So it goes into error. And I think if anything, over the last 20 years or so, we've seen some craziness in the church. Uh, everybody and their dog is an apostle. And there's been a hierarchy and a uh, a manipulation at times and a control that really isn't the apostolic and so to see true fivefold come we're going to see the true apostolic come two quotes about apostles uh, one is um, I heard Mike Bickle say this uh, and it was in a teaching 25 years ago he said apostles are first in authority but least in privilege there's a word for anybody who thinks they're an apostle First in authority, least in privilege. The second thing I would say, a friend of mine, John Alley, brought this to my attention. He's in Australia. And he said, the hallmark of an apostle is their gentleness. Now, that's a shock. Because I would say, if you can say hallmark, you might say signs and wonders. He would say, no, every believer should be doing signs and wonders. Uh, you might say they preach Christ. We should all be preaching. You can mention a lot. They're sent ones. Yes, but we're also sending missionaries. We're sending Bible teachers. The hallmark of an apostle is gentleness. It, Moses in the Old Testament is a type of an apostle, walking in tremendous authority, bringing God's people out and into the promised land. And it was said of Moses, he was the meekest man who ever lived. This lowliness and gentleness marked him and yet he had government authority and was moving according to the foundations and patterns that God had given to him. Jesus in the New Testament is the greatest apostle. In fact, Jesus is apostle, he's prophet, he's evangelist, he's teacher, and he's pastor. He's the only person that has all five of those gifts in himself. When he went up to heaven, he split them. And Ephesians 4, he gave gifts unto men. He appoints now. And, and now no one human has all of those. He causes us to come together and work together. Anyway, Jesus as example, I would say this, Jesus' life, one time he describes himself, his character, and he says this, he said, I am lowly and gentle in heart, or I'm meek, or humble. I mean, if Jesus is gonna describe himself, the greatest apostle who's ever lived, and he uses the word lowly and gentle, humble and gentle. And I'm like, shouldn't we be placing a greater emphasis on that? Amen. The apostles that are emerging will be servant-hearted. 
Their desire will not be to build their ministry, to be on the top of a pyramid. Their desire will be to serve the Father. Jesus said this, I only do what I see my Father doing. And then he spent his life raising up others. Two great characteristics of Jesus again. He only did what he saw the Father doing, not what was uh, prudent to the ministry, not would be what would be financially lucrative, not what would be uh, good for the platform. He often walked away from platform, walked away from advantage because he was just committed to the Father. True apostles will only do what they see the Father doing. And then true apostles will raise up sons and daughters, not to serve them, but for them to serve those. Jesus making food for his disciples, Jesus teaching his disciples, teacher, Jesus commissioning his disciples. It was all about, he started his ministry by picking his successors. So for anybody who thinks they're an apostle, has that call, great call. It's a painful journey. But I would also say, gentle, only do what the Father is doing. And you invest your life in raising other people. True apostles are emerging and they're going to raise up sons and daughters and be marked by this humility Amen. and gentleness. I don't know if you want to say anything on the back yeah, of that, Rick. I just want to go back to the um, passing of the keys from Jesus to yourself. What was interesting was that the keys weren't all separate. Mm -hmm. They were on a ring. And again, just that unity piece. And I think it is and can only be a working of the Holy Spirit. A seeing one another's gift according to the spirit that they carry or that individual carries. And so I think that's so significant for the days that we are living in, that we see one another in the spirit, else it's very easy then to start comparing. Yeah, that piece of comparison has to be shattered in our lives in order for us to be working together as the fivefold ministry. And unless we work together as a fivefold ministry, the body will walk with a limp. We'll have some sort of dysfunction in the body. When I mean the body, the church of Jesus Christ will have an element of dysfunction if the fivefold isn't operating as it should do. If you had an issue with your kidneys, if you had an issue with your liver, your body is not going to be functioning to its fullest potential. And I believe God is calling us to live our life to the fullest and the best way that we can do that is if we work together as a fivefold. Yeah, very, very good. Two comments I'll make and we'll close this. Uh, the first one is, as you say, they're on the ring. I remember in, when I was 17 years old, that's 30 years ago now. Uh, and yeah, I, Steve, yeah thank you, we work hard. Um, but I remember the Lord quickening to me, there's coming a day you will help, you will see it and you'll work in it, the fivefold working together. At 17 years old, I didn't even really know what it was, but I've always held on to that promise and I've tried to see it come to pass and it hasn't worked, but in the last year we're beginning to see it, the emerging of, of a five-fold ministry team. It's not complete, it's not functioning at its best. We're still learning. So my first comment is that the Lord spoke to me about this 30 years ago and we're now beginning to see it happen. My second one would be, we're still learning. Speak to me six months from now and we will have better revelation, better understanding. We're still searching out the scriptures. And so we don't want to speak about this as experts. We come humbly, gently to say, we know that the Lord is doing this. We know that you can't just have one ministry, one ministry gift leading. You need all of them. And, and I don't just mean at your conference, you invite a pastor and at your conference, you invite a prophet. 
that's okay, but I actually mean working together for the long haul towards the purposes of God. So that we're a team and we're functioning in the fivefold. I actually see multiple teams, multiple apostles, multiple prophets as part of the movement and being released into you know, the, this phrase, teams of teams being raised. And so, and the fivefold is there to equip the body for works of service. Amen. What I believe we've fallen into the traps of is, this is my gift, so I'm now going to be elevated. Yeah. Let me fill the biggest stadiums, the biggest stages, be on the biggest platforms. And I don't think there's anything wrong in preaching in stadiums and platforms and in buildings. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all legit yeah. and right. Yeah. But it's when you elevate yourselves and say, look how powerful my gift is and my gift is bigger than his or hers. Actually, we're there to take that position like you're saying, that lowly position to equip the body for works of service. Very, very good. I appreciate that. So I want to thank you for being a part of this podcast today. Slightly shorter than normal, but I think there's so much rich content in it. I didn't want to add more to it for the sake of it. Uh, The Lord is moving. We can learn from the past, but the Lord is handing us new keys moving into the future. And the new keys are actually a restoration of the fivefold, which will lead to a reformation of the church. That reformation is true apostolic community, true apostolic um, mission and mandate and message coming. I mean, there's so much we could say around that. Uh, And we're by God's grace, beginning, beginning to live it. And so it's, it's not just a theory. Over the last year, we've really begun to see this evolving within our own experience and the teams. We've not made a lot of noise about it. We've just sought to live it out the best that we can. And if new wineskin is relationships is. and people, yep. then that working together is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Everything hinges on the connection in relationships. So... Thank you so much for watching today. Rick, thank you for joining me uh, for this podcast. Really, really appreciate it. You can learn more about the movement uh, at our website. All the descriptions uh, have all the websites and stuff in the description. Uh, Please do follow up with us. And these notes from today are also, uh, the show notes are available as well. Make use of those. They'll be helpful to you. Many people struggle in life because they never get proper systems and rhythms in their spirituality, in their relationships, marriage and parenting, or even in their physical health. Esther and I have put together an e-course called Healthy Life Video and Workbook that will help you to explore and know how to put those rhythms into your life. It's available at steveopal.com.